Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Pittsburgh Steeler fans, it is time once again for another episode of Here We Go, the Steelers show. Notice I did not put pregame in there. I am chagrined, not too shocked, but feeling down and actually feeling up with the way that the Pittsburgh Steelers finished their season. My name is Brian Anthony Davis from BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. Obviously, I'm conflicted in how I feel. So I need to bring in the coach. I need to bring in the guy that makes everything okay. And I'm going to do that right now. His name is KT Smith. He's my ultimate wingman. Wingman? Wingman? He is not a goose. He's like a co-maverick. He's like an Iceman. You know who it is. It's Kevin Smith. What is going on, coach? (laughs) An Iceman, eh? Okay. Uh, Is Iceman good? Is Is it good to call you Iceman? Sure, sure. Why not? I love Val Kilmer in the doors. He was great. He was a great Jim Morrison. Yeah, he was great. Uh, he was great in, in both Top Guns, too. Yeah, yeah. Did you see the second one? I have not. I'm waiting till my son gets a little older because he watched the first one and he didn't quite get it. You know, so I'm like, all right, I'm going to wait till he's a little bit older and we'll watch them together because I just think that that's a great uh, father-son, you know, sort of movie when your kid's a little older. Okay, I get it. They They did it right. I'll just say that. Yeah, cool. I've heard it's great. We just watched it again. We saw it in the theater and we watched my daughter's really into it too. And we watched it for the second time because I think it's on like Paramount Plus or something right now. Okay, nice. So um, any, anyways, let's... let's I, talk- I was going to say, you, you use the word conflicted to describe your emotions about the season. And I think that's probably the best adjective you can come up with because it was just the season where... Yeah, there's so much the way the, the way that things went in the second half of the season. There's so much to be happy and optimistic about, and yet at the same time, it just it just feels like the Steelers should be playing this coming weekend. It just feels as though they belong. They're they're better than the Ravens right now. They're better than the Dolphins right now. They're they're not they're not. I mean, there's 14 teams in the playoffs, and they're certainly a top 14 team. So uh, I, I, a website I like to read sometimes is uh, the 33rd, which is um, uh, a site where there's a lot of former NFL coaches and executives who write for it. They, they had the Steelers ranked number 10 in their, in their end of season rankings, which, you know, I, I looked at it initially and I thought, Oh, that's a little high. And then I actually looked at the list and I thought, Oh, maybe not, you know, the Steelers are playing really good ball. So, so it's a shame for them to be excluded from the postseason when they're playing so well. Yeah. I, I tell you what, I, I am bummed because I really thought that they were coming on, but, Come on, let's be realistic. And you're a coach, and I know you have a lot of optimism to you, but not just the fact that they're the Buffalo Bills who are waiting. They also have a lot of inspiration on their side with the DeMar Hamlin tragedy. And it's not inspiration that they wanted. It's inspiration that they've gotten 
by being in a tough situation. But with that being said, that carries a long way, doesn't it, Coach? Sure. There's no doubt that whoever goes into Buffalo this weekend, it's going to be the Patriots, but it could have been the Steelers, is going to walk into a buzzsaw of sorts. There's For all the reasons you referenced, and because Buffalo is uh, probably a team that's been waiting for the playoffs. Eh? They're just uh, you know, a team that, that probably feels as though they're exceptionally close. The way that they exited the playoffs last year, my gosh, uh, could could you couldn't have a, a a more sour taste in your mouth? So they definitely feel like a team on a mission. But even though it would have been a really tall task to go win in Buffalo, it's just the experience for for the young guys. I mean, the Steelers are an incredibly young team, and to have those young guys, particularly on offense, get that experience and you know, get to see what it's like in a in a postseason environment in a hostile place like Buffalo would be phenomenal because. Uh, it's, I, I really am a big believer that you learn, you learn so much from those environments, from those situations. That's, that's a thing I think that would have accelerated Kenny Pickett's learning growth or, or, uh, his, his growth in general and some of the other young guys. So I would have loved to have seen it. It would have been painful if the Steelers, you know, who knows, maybe they go up there and get blown out, but just, I think for the long-term benefit, I would have loved to have seen it. You know, just like last year, you know, even though it was Ben Roethlisberger leading that team and it was his final playoff game, Najee Harris got great experience in that situation. The same with Pat Fryermuth. There's Dan Moore Jr. got great experience by being in the playoffs last year. So I think that really helped them out going into 2022. And I would have loved to have seen it for even more rookies because we're talking about a lot of rookies that had a chance to get experience this year. Of course, there was Kenny Pickett and George Pickens and DeMarvin Leal. And you did not get anything from your fourth rounder, but he's somebody that you're adding on next year and Calvin Austin, the third, but you look even the fact that at number seven, Mark Robinson and your number six, Connor Hayward, they got a lot of experience as well. So you almost got to feel that the Pittsburgh Steelers had a lot of players that will be taking that second year jump. And that includes a guy that I didn't even mention because he wasn't drafted and it was Jalen Warren. So, you know, we can throw away the fact that the uh, negative Yenzers out there would be saying, yep, Tomlin, you know, he could get him in the playoffs and that, but, uh, but he gets there and they lose standards, not the standard when you're nine and nine. And that's what you would have gotten. You definitely would have gotten that. And, and we would have had to push through that, that period of negativity for sure. But it's still, you know, this is a, this is a macro view. This is not a team that's ready to win the Super Bowl right now. Let's just be honest about that. Uh, so therefore, the exit, if they had made the playoffs, was going to come at some point. It was going to be virtually inevitable, and 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 therefore you're kind of playing for next year. I, man, the Steelers are really well positioned for the next couple of seasons. They've got Kenny Pickett on a rookie contract for the next few years, which means they don't have to offer a quarterback that ridiculous you know, cap eating salary uh, that you know the veteran QBs command, and then. You've got the rookies that you mentioned, and now the Steelers are going to get three of the top 50 picks in the draft, uh, potentially five of the first 100. They're, they've got some some cap space. They don't have a world of cap space, but they've got enough cap space to re-sign uh, the guys that they that they most value and then bring in a veteran or two to, to plug some other needs. 
this is a really exciting time for the Steelers. They've, they've got some questions, obviously, that they have to answer that involve both personnel and coaching. But, but I really feel as though they're a team whose arrow is pointing decidedly up. And again, that's another reason I would have loved to have seen them in, in at least one playoff game so that they can, they can have that under their belts and be primed to improve on that next year. You mentioned the uh, draft next year, and we're not going to get into uh, you know draft prospects uh, just yet. That's other shows uh, have been doing that way before the season ended on BTSC, and we're proud to have them in our lineup. But for what we do, just mentioning the fact that when Chase Claypool was picked by the Pittsburgh Steelers, he was their number one overall pick in 2020 but he was a second round pick because of the minka fitzpatrick deal and we were talking then when we were doing the uh, steeler mock drafts that we mocked minka fitzpatrick from alabama to the steelers at number 18 that year because that's where they were going to be picking and so when you look at the fact that he was 49th overall being chase claypool and the steelers are picking are going to be making their third pick at 48th overall that's absolutely phenomenal because they're going to be picking at 17 32 and while 32 it would be a normal would actually be a first round pick you don't get the glory of having that fifth year option you don't get that so even though essentially it feels like a number one pick it's not but having that option to and almost uh 18 24 hours to uh to make a deal to make that even better, you know, after the first round of the draft, that's a big thing too. So I'm not sure exactly what's going to happen. We know what kind of uh, savvy you have in former Philadelphia Eagle and Andy Weidel and Omar Khan now. So it's going to be interesting. So the Steelers are putting themselves in a position and it feels pretty neat. Yeah, if there's, if there's one thing people love to talk about on a blog, it's the draft. Oh, yeah. And because I think it's everybody, it, it's so democratic. Everybody gets a say. You can all have your say and, and we can all be right. We can all you know agree with, with people. We can disagree with people. We can call each other idiots, whatever it might be. But none of it matters because we don't have an actual say in what what's really going to happen. But we can all play GM. And that's one of the most, uh, one, of, one of just the, most satisfying things in re- relation to football is just playing amateur GM because the, the notion of building a football team is just a really cool thing to do. And uh, so this year it's going to be especially interesting with that 32nd pick because the draft's going to end uh, round one's going to end. And then there's going to be this, this brief layover where it's going to be a frenzy of uh, opinions and, but you know, we, the Steelers should move here, trade back, do this, do that. The, the great thing for the Steelers, of course, is they're going to have they're going to have total control of the draft for that period of time. And if they have a player that they just love, uh, you know, they've got the number one pick of, of the remaining draft. And if they got a guy they love, they can sit there and take him. And if not, they can, you know, maneuver around. And I think having Andy Weidel in-house is going to be a big deal because he was very good at that with Philadelphia. Um so, you know, again, we're getting ahead of ourselves to talk about the draft, but at the, but at the same time, it just contributes to the narrative that the, the offseason and, and the foreseeable future for the Steelers is bright. Well, what we really need to talk about is how bright it is right now because of week 18. 
yes, the Steelers are not going to be going to the postseason in 2022. That is over, and they are entrenched in that 17th spot. So we know what they're looking towards now. They're looking towards the combine and the draft and free agency and all of that. But the question is, what did you see from the 28 to 14 victory over the Cleveland Browns that made you feel confident that they are in a good spot going into 2023 if things go well? Because that was probably their most decisive victory, maybe of the season. Well, it was, it was their biggest margin of victory of the season, for sure. Um, they they had one. Uh, they they beat New Orleans by ten. That had been their previous largest margin of victory. But that was a very very different game where the Steelers kind of pulled away later. But uh, you you said you said what makes me confident? That's the word I would use to apply to the win over Cleveland. The Steelers look like a confident football team. They look like a team that knew what they wanted to do, and that's especially gratifying because it wasn't Kenny Pickett's best game. After the the heroics of the previous two weeks, leading the game winning drives in the final minutes against Vegas and and Baltimore, there was just this sort of sense that hey, Kenny Pickett's arrived, but we know that's not the case. He's still not yet a complete quarterback, and he showed signs of that against the Browns. But at the same time, the Steelers didn't need him to be Ben Roethlisberger. They didn't need him to be great. They they controlled the line of scrimmage. They ran the football well. I thought. You know, this might be an unpopular opinion, but I thought Matt Canada had a very solid game plan. He he stuck to his guns in the run game. You know, it, it's it's inside zone, mid zone, and wide zone. I mean, he runs he runs the gamut of the zone plays, um, but he has enough constraints and enough counters and enough you know razzle dazzle and smoke and mirrors to to uh, make it so that a defense can't just gang up on him and. Uh, the Steelers were, were were simple in what they did, but they were effective. They they moved the line of scrimmage. That was really satisfying to see. Like the guys up front were relocating the Cleveland defenders a yard and sometimes two yards off the ball, pushing the line of scrimmage in the right direction. And I read a stat somewhere, and I wish I could quote it, but it's something along the lines of Najee Harris in the Cleveland game was contacting on average somewhere along the lines of like 2.4 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. That, that was where Cleveland made first against him. And it was a season high for him. I remember last season, there was this ridiculous statistic, like Harris had been contacted at or behind the line of scrimmage more than any back in the NFL. And that just shows you the difference in what Pittsburgh was able to do up front, just pushing the Browns off the ball and giving Harris and Jalen Warren some holes to choose from and some opportunities to find some seams. So, so the fact that uh, that the Steelers just seemed comfortable doing what they were doing, and then when they needed plays, he did. Uh, it was a it was a pretty complete offensive performance for them, and that was great to see. It really was, and it was nice to see everything that they were doing to uh, get the ball into position to go ahead and score, and what the defense was doing well, especially overcoming those two turnovers earlier on in that game i was not deterred by that whatsoever kevin because the Najee harris fumble should have never happened because that should have not been even like dave schofield says that shouldn't have been something that they had to even think of challenging but let me ask you this Najee harris is a guy that protects protects the ball real well but when you're up in the air and you're diving over a pile you have no protection. 
whatsoever. It is very hard to hold on to the ball in that situation, or at least that's what the uh, little bean in my cranium says. I hate it. I hate it. If I I flash back to my senior year in college, we were playing a game uh, in college, and we were winning 28-24 with 17 seconds left. The other team had first and goal uh, inside the one with 17 seconds to play and um, down by four, and they went quarterback sneak, and the QB tried to tried to leap across and extend the ball out and our, our inside backer punched it out and we recovered and ended up winning the, winning the game. We found out afterwards uh, that they, that they in, in the huddle had called for a, a run to the tailback and that the quarterback changed the play in the huddle, the QB sneak and then fumbled the ball and they lost the game. So I can't imagine that was a comfortable uh, meeting room for that, oh. that young man on Monday morning. But uh but I always think back to that. I think back to that all the time because it reminds me of right how vulnerable you are. You better two things have to happen. One, you've got to get the ball extended out, timed perfectly, because you know the defense is downhill. You know the linebackers are almost getting a running start uh, at the line of scrimmage. And two, you better trust that the official sees it right. That's in the NFL. You have replay, but that's still a hard thing for them to see because it's all happening so fast, and they have to make the right call there. So. So I understand why players do it, but I, I really don't like it. It makes me very nervous. So there were some other things that occurred in that game. One was an injury to Pat Frymuth that had a lot of people really nervous. When we find out that it's just an MCL sprain, then you feel a whole lot better knowing that he has all the time in the world to go ahead and rehab, and he should actually be fine for minicamp starting in May. But Kevin... What kind of concerns me the least is the fact that they don't have a lot of free agents on that offense, like we mentioned before. And the one free agent is Zach Gentry. And as good of a blocker as I think he is, and as good of a valuable, good of a value that he is, Connor Hayward showed up in a big, big way. Is he actually more than what the Steelers expected? I think I don't I I really like Zach Gentry and I, and I like his development. He's been a pleasant surprise because if you think back to when he was a rookie, he just he was so tall and so skinny. He looked like a newborn giraffe trying to figure out how to walk. And uh, he, oh, I'm a huge uh, I never, fan. Uh, I, yeah, I never thought he would emerge uh, to be, a, a you know, a rotational player for the Steelers. But that said, I wonder if Connor Hayward has made him expendable because – I think you can find a guy to do what Zach Gentry does. I think that there's, I don't want to say a plenty of those players in the NFL, but I think that there's, there are more guys that do what Zach Gentry can do, which essentially is your inline blocking tight end who occasionally you'll kind of slip him out into the flat to catch a, catch a little flat pass or for whatever reason, the Steelers love to screen to him. Um, but, but it's easier to find a guy who can do that than it is to do what Connor Hayward can do. Connor Hayward, can do a little bit of everything. And it's incredible how how his role developed over the season. And I, I, you and I talked about this before. For me, that's a trust issue. The Steelers came to trust Connor Hayward and trust him in big moments. And they were able to do things with him that are hard for defenses to hone in on. I mean, you can, you can when Zach Gentry goes onto the field, you kind of have a pretty good idea of what Zach Gentry is going to do. When Connor Hayward's on the field, I mean, he could be a jet sweep guy. We've seen that. We saw him run jet sweep to, to uh, 
seal the Raiders game at near the end there. He could be a, a vertical guy down the seam. We saw him make a huge catch against the Browns uh, to keep the Steelers' final touchdown drive alive on a, on a beautiful catch on a, on a seam route that picket threw over the linebackers. Uh, he, he could be a lead blocker. Matt Canada in the last three or four games started to incorporate a, a counter play, which I really liked because it wasn't a traditional counter. A traditional counter play you have, you're, you're pulling a guard uh, and you're wrapping somebody around with the guard, but Canada ran it off a straight zone action. So the, the linemen weren't pulling it off, which is harder for the linebackers to see the counter coming. It looks like a full flow run play, but it was counter action in the backfield and he would take Connor Hayward who would be lined up as an H back on the backside and he'd wrap him all the way around to become a lead blocker. Uh, we've seen Hayward line up in the backfield. So, you know, where do you find guys who can do all of those things and do them all as a rookie? Because the more that Canada puts on his plate, the more obviously Hayward has to digest. Uh, and he obviously showed he could do that. So, so he's a really valuable piece with the Steelers have a bunch of free agents to sign and, and several of them on defense who I think will be high priorities. And so I wonder if they will, you know, maybe if Zach Gentry wants to come back at a reasonable price, they could fit him in. But otherwise, I think the combination of Frymuth and Hayward with a third tight end, maybe a Kevin Raider type, uh, might be more appealing to the Steelers. Yeah, and there are guys on that practice squad with tight end. But let me ask you this. I do not expect to see a tight end on any of the draft previews or any of the mock drafts no certainly not high the Steelers are probably going to wind up with two seventh round picks maybe if they see a guy they like maybe there'll be a, a guy that they like as a blocker or a project type but I definitely don't with with no uh, fifth or sixth round pick I definitely don't see one in the first four all right Kevin we've got to take a break as we wrap up what we're talking about here, and that is the Steelers' final game. There's no game to preview, but there's so much to talk about as we wrap up the 2022 season. So stick around as, yes, we're going to go up north. we got to talk Canada. We also have to talk about what might have been, and that's something we're going to do here. But before we take that break, you've got to put me in my place. You're my Yoda because you are a lot older than me. I think you're. it's less than a year, but but that's still older. So I'm going to count you as my Yoda and you've got to tell me that I should not be conflicted anymore, that this is a major step in the right direction. All right. I'm on it. We will be right <laughs> back right after this on here. We go. The Steelers show from behind the still curtain.com. Welcome back to BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. I'm your podcast producer. Make sure you check out BTSC for everything Steelers. Yeah, don't go away because it's the offseason because let's ride every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. It's going to break down you know, everything Steelers. It's our flagship studio show. It's fantastic. Then you've got guys like guys that know the film. Jeffrey Benedict with the cutting room floor. You have got Dave Schofield with the Stat Geek that he, not only does he know film, 
He also knows what he's talking about as far as stats. He's probably one of the best in the business here. He's a cap guy too. Matty Peverell does a lot of stuff like that too. The guys that know the prospects really well, man, they have got some guests lined up. And one of them is a guy that's been mocked to the Steelers in a few first rounds. And they have him they have them locked up already. It seems coming up on the fix. So we're going to have guests like crazy. We are going to have a lot of fun. Know your enemies, not going to be know your enemy for a little while. Again, like we do in the off season, it's going to be the curtain call and they're going to be bringing in guests and they're going to be bringing in people to talk about the Steelers upcoming opponents. Of course, when we get that schedule, we're going to go ahead and take a look at that, but guess what else they're going to do. They're going to go around the college football ranks and where they find the analyst for the enemy. They're going to be finding analysts to talk about the draft prospects. And when there's a draft, they're going to do what they did last year. Find somebody from Pitt, then find somebody from Georgia, then find somebody from who was it? Texas A&M in the third round with Marvin Leal. And they're going to keep going and talk about those prospects too. And you're not only going to have the best of the best from BTSC, you're going to have the best of the guests and we're going to have them right here as those guys do a fantastic job. If I didn't mention them, that just means that I just don't have the time, but we've got a lot of great things to talk about. There are not going to be many changes right here in the off season at BTSC. So Kevin, let's talk about it, my friend. Bad Canada. You mentioned that he he looked pretty good in that game plan. And I agree. I thought the last few weeks he did what he was supposed to do. But I do have to say it. In a lot of those games, the Steelers were coming from behind, especially against the Raiders and especially against the Ravens. And they had to have last minute drives. And there was some speculation that uh, Kenny Pickett's headset wasn't working or what have you. We don't know. That might just be, you know, uh, Canada haters throwing that out there. there. There's so many things. But for me, Kevin, the big question is, is even though seven and two over the last nine games, does that forgive the sins of a two and six start? It's such a tricky question, and and I, I think the Steelers have a huge decision in front of them in regard to Matt Canada because, for you know many of the reasons you just said, uh, they're they're all valid. Canada certainly got better as the year progressed. He got better with his handling of Pickett. I mean, the, the best thing he was able to do with Kenny Pickett was minimize the turnovers. the The fact that uh, Pickett threw eight interceptions in in his first uh, five appearances and then only through one the rest of the way one in his last eight is a huge accomplishment just to get him to protect the football and obviously the results for the Steelers were so much better the other thing he did was by getting the run game going he was able to take a lot off of Pickett's plate when you look at the, the losses of the games that Pickett started and the number of passes he threw he threw 52 in, in the loss at Buffalo, he threw 44 in the loss to Miami, 38 to the Eagles, 48 in the, in the loss to Cincinnati. So he's throwing the ball at least 38 times in all those games. Then you look at the games that, that they won, 
with Pickett at starting quarterback. And then his number of passes in, in, in victories were 18, 30, 28, 28. Uh, he, the, the one sort of outlier is 39 passes against Vegas, but then 27 against Baltimore and 29 against Cleveland. They're not asking Pickett to, to win the game, you know, essentially by himself. And, and that was a smart uh, transition that Canada made. Uh, and he made it because the run game got better and he probably learned what Pickett could do and couldn't do. So the question really comes down to, do the Steelers believe that the progress that Canada showed as a coordinator and the way in which he learned how to use and manage Pickett warrants bringing him back? For me, the run game is there. The Steelers have a top 10 run game. They, they, they finished the season the last nine weeks with a top five rushing attack in the NFL. And Canada, when he was a college coordinator, he made his chops for his creative run game. He was a good run game coordinator, but he never developed uh, a, you know, a dangerous passing attack as a college coordinator. And that's the question I think that will determine whether or not the Steelers bring him back. Do the Pittsburgh Steelers believe, does Mike Tomlin believe that Matt Canada is the guy who can get Kenny Pickett to the next level as a passer? Because more than anything else, that's going to determine the success of the Steelers going forward. Can can Kenny Pickett build on the promise he showed this year and get to the next level? And that will depend a lot upon his coordinator. If the Steelers think Canada's that guy, I think he's coming back. If they don't, I think they'll move on. There's a lot of people, too, that uh, alludes to a little bit of what you're saying with uh, Kenny Pickett that – you kind of destroyed the growth that Kenny Pickett had in his first year. If you go ahead and get rid of Matt Canada. So do you really think that they would risk that? Or do you think that's going to be factoring in their decision when they decide if he is the guy or not? You know, I, I'm also curious as to how much of a football decision it is. We know that, the Steelers have a reputation and it, and some of it's warranted for not exactly having deep pockets when it comes to assistant coaches and coordinators that, that they haven't paid top dollar for uh, assistant coaches. And the idea of letting Matt Canada go and then having to pay him next year, because I believe he's under contract is something that I think many people feel would be unappetizing for the Rooney's. So I don't think that that would be the sole motivator as to why you'd bring them back. Uh, hey, we don't want to pay two coaches at once. But if the Steelers, I think, are on the fence, then that might be something that figures into the equation. Um, the growth issue that you brought up, is a, that's a big point. And, and the question really comes down to, like, do the Steelers feel as though there's another offensive coordinator who can perhaps incorporate some of what Canada did that Canada can't is is it Frank Reich the former head coach is it Daniel Hackett uh, who like by the Broncos is it Cliff Kingsbury by zone I mean are any of the, all of those guys built their reputations as offensive minded coaches um, Kingsbury in particular uh, with his with his college air raid scheme that Pickett is fairly familiar with they did some of that at Pitt and Canada even incorporated some of it you know would he be a guy uh, Cliff, Cliff is very looking for a guy like that, you know, or, or are they content to say, Hey, we found a formula. We found a formula that works, uh, run the football, eat clock, 
take pressure off of our defense, protect the ball so that Pickett, you know, isn't throwing interceptions. Uh, and, and in close games, you know, that can he go because he certainly showed that when you do that, he can be effective. And if the formula he can win like that, I think they'll bring him back. All right. Let's look towards the future a little bit more, but we have to do it by looking at the past. And before we look at the future, we've got to figure out what might have been for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's a big thing. So I'm going to bring up three or four scenarios that actually happened. And I'd like you to actually, on a scale of one to 10, how much that changed the Pittsburgh Steelers season and how much that kept the Pittsburgh Steelers out of the playoffs. The first would be week one and losing TJ Watt. Really significant, very high eight or a nine, nine or a 10. I don't know. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll say a nine. Uh, I, you, you might know the stat off the top of your head. Somebody put it in our, in our Slack channel uh, just today, but it was the Steelers record with and without TJ Watt. And it was mind boggling to me. Just the, the, the success rate when Watt plays versus when he doesn't. Um, I, I can't remember what it was, but uh, something along the lines of, you know, like 11 and one in the last 12 games with him and three and eight without him or something along those lines. And I, obviously, you know, everybody's like, duh, he makes the Steelers a better player. But the impact that he has is just so significant that you have to believe that if he's healthy, the Steelers win one of those games that they that they lose and they get in the playoffs. Yeah, those were some pretty significant numbers. Um, the ones that I'm looking at right here were, were uh, put out there, and it was just sacks. Alex Highsmith had 11 sacks in 10 games with TJ Watt, and he only ended up with 14.5 overall, which was a fantastic season. But that is only three and a half sacks without TJ. Right. One more sack makes a huge difference for the entire season, possibly. Cam Hayward, the same. Eight and a half sacks in 10 games with TJ Watt, two sacks in seven games without TJ Watt. So that is absolutely just spectacular what he brings. I, I am all for, and my vote, and we talked about this last week, that my vote was Mika Fitzpatrick for the Steelers MVP. And I thought he rightfully won. But actually, I think my second pick would have been T.J. Watt. Just because of these stats alone. Yeah, his value is, is obviously seen when he's not there. Um, and, the, you know, right, you, you said High, Highsmith. Think about how much easier his life is when every team the Steelers play, they got to kick their protection towards T.J. Watt and it lets Highsmith go one-on-one. And, and boy, did he develop. You know, he got he developed some nice moves. I mean, he was a bull rush guy his, his first couple of years and didn't seem to have a great counter move, but he really got better with his hands and with his leverage. Uh, you have to believe that, you know, being around TJ Watt and working with him contributed to that. Uh, and then when you when you still even at age 32, 33, when you when you single block Cam Hayward, bad things happen for the offense. And so by not being able to keep the back in the backfield to help, help with Hayward by having to direct the back towards Watt, his numbers increased as well. So you're right, man. The impact of TJ Watt is, is significant. 
All right, let's talk about the next one. And this is not chronological order because this actually goes back to week one as well. And it's starting Mitch Trubisky, which it's something Mm. I was all for. And I kind of think it, I, I think it was justified and needed to happen. So let's break this down into a couple things. Starting Mitch Trubisky, not giving Kenny Pickett a higher share of the reps in preseason or not starting Kenny Pickett week one. Yeah. I mean, this is the ultimate hindsight is 2020 question, right? Because I, I was like you, I, I thought the right move was to start Trubisky, especially because the Steelers opening schedule was pretty brutal. I mean, they got, they got Cincy and Buffalo and Tampa in their first couple of weeks. And you thought, you know, oh boy, you're going to just throw a picket to the wolves. But in hindsight, it sure looks like he could, he could have handled it. Um, you got to, you know, he, he comes into that Jets game and where the Steelers look terrible and, um, and he rallies them and, and they wind up losing and he throws three interceptions. But uh, well, one of them goes off a receiver's hands. One of them is a Hail Mary. Um, so he really kind of only throws one legitimate interception. But you have to believe if he had more reps and he had more time with the ones, that maybe he doesn't make some of those mistakes and the Steelers win that game. Um, when I was at mini ca- or uh, when I was at training camp back in August, uh, I, I spent a decent amount of time watching the quarterbacks. And, and you know what was really interesting was I fully expected to see Trubisky and Mason Rudolph look like the veterans and, and Pickett, you know, kind of take the backseat. But that wasn't the reality at all. When, when Kenny Pickett, now granted, he wasn't running with the one, but when he was in there, he looked like, in terms of his hand gestures and how demonstrative he was and how he talked to the receivers and uh, just the way he carried himself, he looked like the better. He looked like the guy who had been there before. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, man, he looks like he belongs. And I didn't expect to see that. I kind of expected to see a, a guy who was a little more hesitant and unsure of himself. And so, again, even though I, like you, thought that starting Trubisky was the right thing, when I think back on on that kind of stuff and then what, how he played early in the season, it really feels like had he gotten those early season reps, Pittsburgh could have at least won one of those games that they lost. Even, even if they continue and do what we all thought they should have done from the beginning, should have they pulled Mitch Trubisky earlier? So I'm giving you the benefit of hindsight. And you can go ahead and jump in the BTSC DeLorean and make that change. When are they bringing Kenny Peckett in? And we're not saying week one. Because, you know, actually, I don't know if he wins. I don't know if the Steelers win the game in week one if Kenny Pickett starts. We just don't know. But That was such a funky game. Yeah. Maybe Mitch was was the right formula for that game. But I'm going to let you go first because I know exactly when I'm bringing him in. I don't, I don't really have a problem with when they, they brought him in. I, it shocked me. I, I remember like they brought him in to start the second half Jets game. And I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I wasn't expecting it, really. Uh, but to me, he wasn't awful. They weren't losing. They didn't lose uh, a couple of those early games because of Trubisky. I, I don't believe anyway. I think they lost because they couldn't run the football. And they, they struggled to, 
uh, when, when TJ Watt went out, they immediately lost their pass rush. I mean, the season opener, they get seven sacks and four interceptions against Cincinnati. They're, they're, the defense is just wreaking havoc, and all of a sudden he's out, and they're totally something else. They looked completely toothless against the Patriots uh, the next week. So so I think that had a lot to do with it. Um, it's it's hard to – like. I mean, do you pull – Trubisky after the first game and do you start picking against the Patriots I you know they won the first game it, it just didn't feel like it didn't feel like I mean Trubisky certainly wasn't playing great football but it didn't feel like they were losing games because of him now the Jets game I get because that was a listless performance by the offense in the first half and like Mike Tomlin said more than even just the the the, the play the quarterback play he felt the team needed a spark and that the change would give him that spark so I don't really have a problem what about you I was actually going to make that change late in the Browns game or at least to start the Jets game. And I actually think they beat the Jets if Kenny Pickett starts that game. And here's why. He's not coming in cold. He has starters reps. And the learning curve is a half earlier. And they almost won that game anyways. So with that, I actually think it's a much different ball game if Kenny starts it. It probably is, provided he's gotten the reps in practice. And I guess, I guess my thing is, if you if you wanted to start him early, you should have prepared him early. Uh, they didn't prepare him early, and then they threw him in to the Jets game at halftime, and and he goes out and he throws eight interceptions in his first uh, four and a half games. And and it wasn't until I think he got he got acclimated to the speed of the game and and really sort of understood what he could and couldn't do that he was able to protect the football a lot better. So, so you know, you just wish if I could have changed one thing, it would have been the way that they handled the preseason. And then you just kind of say, hey, we're going to roll with Pickett from the get-go. I agree. So here's my final what if. And <laughs> this is this is a crazy one. Well, actually, no, it's not going to be my final one. I'm going to go with this one first. Najee Harris doesn't get hurt. Do they make the playoffs? I I don't think so, honestly, because as much as as much as it was Najee Harris who looked better in the second half of the season, it was the offensive line who allowed him to look better. And that that O line had a lot of new parts on it. It had a new O line coach. It had a line coach who was revamping the technique up front, and. It just they didn't gel. They didn't come together. There, there weren't. I know Najee Harris looked slow when he came back from injury and indecisive. But in his defense, there weren't a whole lot of holes to run through. There wasn't a lot of. Uh, it wasn't as though it, that. That certainly wasn't the offensive line in the Cleveland game in the season finale that you were seeing earlier in the season. So I don't know if Najee Harris would have been the difference maker that maybe Kenny Pickett could have been. All right, you ready for my crazy one? Let's go. What do you got? Do the Steelers make the playoffs if they do not trade at Chase Claypool? If they do not trade, hmm. Mm. <sighs> the tricky thing there is you're, what you're really asking is do they find a way for Chase Claypool to become a difference maker in the passing game? And I'm going to say no. I don't think they knew how to use him. Uh, I don't think that they knew exactly uh, where he fit best. 
they, they messed around with him in the slot. That didn't seem to go well. And they put him outside. Uh, he was eating into the Pickens' reps, and I think that they knew that Pickens was, was the guy. Uh, so I don't know. I, I, think, I think it probably muddles everything up just for longer. I think they got some clarity when, when they moved Claypool. And, and while they didn't get production from the slot, they they felt as though offensively they could use the slot in a way that kind of fit with some of what Canada wanted to do. I mean, Canada again, he doesn't have this sort of elaborate rapture that he, that he asked the receivers to run. So the slots were running fairly simple routes to begin with, and and he, and in the one nice thing, and I I don't know if they could have gotten this from Claypool. Make this comment what you say. One one that the Steelers got in the second half of the season from their slot receivers was blocking. Those guys blocked. They com- the Steelers re- reshaped their identity on offense to become a run team, and they got buy-in from Olszewski, from Steven Sims. They even got it from Deontay Johnson. Would they have gotten the same buy-in from Chase Claypool? I mean, sometimes he was a willing blocker, and sometimes he seemed to want no part of it. What do you think? It's my question, and I brought it up, so I should probably give an answer, but we have the Jerome Bettis trade, which was, I think, probably one of the biggest steals. I think a bigger steal than Minka Fitzpatrick. And I thought Minka Fitzpatrick was highway robbery as well. All I'm saying is I I think this is probably going to rank up there as right now top five in trades. And they maximize their potential with a second round pick. But I just wonder because I thought Chase Claypool had a lot more fire in him than Deontay Johnson did. But you're right about the Pickens factor. And nobody was really complaining about Steven Sims down the stretch. They He was a better player than what they got out of Ray Ray McLeod in that same type of position. And he came up big a few times for him. So I don't know that that trade did not work out for Chicago in 2022. No. I'll tell you this. The, the catch that Steven Sims makes down the seam against the Ravens on the game-winning drive in that game where Pickett throws the ball over Kyle Hamilton and he puts it in that teeny tiny little window. That's a really complicated catch by Steven Sims. He's got all sorts of clutter in his face that he's got to see through and he's about to get leveled by the safety. He's got to catch that ball through the clutter and then get down right away or he's going to take a big hit. Claypool doesn't make that catch. That's a, you know, that's a that's a catch you got to go catch that with your hands and have body control and those are two things we need to chase Claypool didn't do that well. So for that reason alone, you know, I think that there were some things that the Steelers saw in their slot guys that maybe they didn't see in Claypool. There you go. I mean, it's something we're not going to be able to answer. I expect all those guys to be, you know, very big contributors for the Steelers in 2023. I don't think a guy like Steven Sims is going to be a guy that uh, is going to be hard to retain next year. I actually think they they should be able to retain a guy like Steven, and I would bring him back. I, I definitely would. I I don't see really why they would. They're definitely going to have to bring in a, another wide receiver, and that's probably going to be via the draft. I could actually see that happening. But I've got to call the second half of the Steelers' season of victory. I am definitely no longer conflicted because when the arrow is pointing up, You've got to feel pretty good about that. And I understand the entire season is not the standard that you want to see. And you mock the phrase, not you, but 
but fans, some fans mock the, the phrase, the standard is the standard, but really they went ahead and they took their rebuild that should have been three years and accelerated it. How much do you think they accelerated their rebuild build by? Significantly. Uh, if your rebuild is nine and eight and with a, with a young core and some great draft picks and uh, a reasonable amount of cap space, then that's a heck of a rebuild. You look at what some teams go through when they lose their franchise quarterback and they have to find a new one. And I mean, those teams get lost in the wilderness for a while and, the Steelers, the Steelers have turned themselves around so fast that if they're not a playoff team, that's disappointing. So another reason to be excited about the direction the Steelers are headed in is the fact that Mike Tomlin did a sensational job keeping the Steelers competitive and challenging players to be their best, to find ways to keep them motivated, to keep them positive to to not have them give up on the season and i know that there's an inclination to say oh well they're professionals they they should they should always have the right attitude but that's just not it's not like that there's just uh there's a human nature factor involved young guys get discouraged uh the fact that 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 team played as hard as it did found its mojo so to speak is a testament to to what mike tomlin does i mean i know he gets criticized as a cheerleader around guy and some people say oh well his substance doesn't meet his style. But if you're the head coach, more than anything, the thing you are responsible for is the culture and attitude of your program. And and the Steelers' culture and attitude is such that players rave about it. And you see a 2-16 and six team filled with young guys uh, that's able to sort of find themselves and turn their season around completely. And so I can't speak enough about how much I admire coaching job Mike Tomlin did. It sounds like he should be named dude of the week. <laughs> For sure. When you looked at the reaction of the players towards Tomlin, the number Cam Hayward hugging him after they won the game against Vegas with the Franco Harris uh, situation in, in the building and the speech he made to the offensive linemen as they were heading out for that drive, which if, if you've seen any clips of that, where it was phenomenal. And then, the comments Mason Cole made after the Cleveland game about how much respect he has for Tomlin about, he said, you know, I get him. I get that man. I get this city. I get this, this franchise. It's one thing to love your coach. It's another thing for your coach to all be good at coaching football. And, you know, Tomlin happens to be both. So due to the week indeed. All right. So let's get on out of here, Kevin. I think there's no reason for us to stop now. The season might be over, but we're just getting ready to start a new season starting with looking at free agents, draft classes, all kinds of moves. And something you know all about is how a coach approaches a season right after a season ends. So we're going to keep this going, okay? Yeah, I can't wait. There's a, The offseason, in many ways, is, a, is as exciting as the season. And the NFL does a brilliant job of making it a 365-day-a-year sport. So I can't wait. Every week, I feel like there's going to be something new, and we're going to be able to dive in on it. It sounds great. For Kevin Smith, my name is Brian Anthony Davis. Make sure you check out Here We Go, the Steelers show next week and every week here, wherever you find and download your favorite podcast. Kevin, you got to remember it's the off season, but there's no reason to stop when you keep your feet on the ground and you keep, keep reaching for those cycloids. Mm-hmm.